And I think for many of the viewers, they're convinced. It's 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 like a hip, hypnosis. <laughs> this is the most dramatic season of The Bachelorette. You know, you that? will believe that this is the most dramatic season because I'm saying it. Dear Shandy, welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Oh, hello. Episode eight ish. today it's a lot of episodes it is a lot of episodes although i'm not sure we can say that this counts no as a full episode i was taken off guard i was expecting my full dose of of bachelorette yeah and i got like a like a quarter at best that's not to say that there is not a ton to analyze about what we did get in terms of a real episode true but yes what did you think of your first i feel like this is the first tell-all you've seen from beginning to end with the context of the season uh I've dabbled in the tell-alls. I've okay. seen, I've saw yours. Okay. And I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of tell-alls. Uh-huh. This is what I'll say about tell-alls. Parts of them are my favorite parts about the whole franchise. And most of them I like less than the episodes. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I've always loved tell-alls, but I have gathered over the years that this is an unpopular opinion mm-hmm. and that most people sort of kind of, I think some people don't even watch them to be honest. For me, my big appeal with tell-alls is to see how people behave given how they've seen themselves on TV. But increasingly, you don't really see much of a difference because most of the time, not most of the time, some of the time, it's an audition for Paradise. So there's incentive to continue to keep the same conflict alive. I do feel like if I had one takeaway from the tell-alls, I feel like that certain parts are very forced. Like I feel yeah. like certain actors in the tell-all <laughs> are very eager to, you know, get their soapbox moments. Yes. And a lot of the, the dialogue seems a little forced. Like they're just like, think of something to say, make it interesting for some people and make it loud and keep talking and you'll get on paradise. That's the, I get the feeling it's like an audition, as you yeah. said. Yeah. For what it's worth, I found this tell-all shockingly harmonious comparatively mm. to other ones in the past except, recent ones except for the uh, the the standoff between carl and brendan <laughs> but speaking of brendan he is an example of a guy who we saw a lot more of in this setting he had a lot more personality than i we saw might have more thought. i saw more of brendan's personality in this tell-all than i did all season yeah but we're getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. shall we go back to the beginning of episode eight and recap in order oh yes the episode yes the epi- the the episode ah like a novella as opposed to a novel. Okay. This was an episode. It was an episode. Not a full episode. <laughs> so episode eight kicks off with a stroll with Tasha. So Katie and Tasha are strolling in the forest mm, as, as one does. That's what they on do. This season. And a lot of nothing is said here for, for the most part, I would say. But notably, Katie admits that she has not yet told anyone she's falling in love with them, which I think is a funny thing to admit. But she does admit this. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, very early in the episode, we get our first scared. If you tuned in last week, we told you to keep count of how many times you hear the word scared in this episode. Mm -hmm. And here we get one with Taisha. Are you scared? And in response, Katie gives us number two. It's not that I'm scared. I think. So right off the bat, two scareds. Mm hmm. Katie tells Taisha that she feels the one thing she can give her fiance in all of this is knowing that he is the only person that she said the L word to, which I think is respectable. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's strange. No. <laughs> I thought Taisha's advice here was pretty f- funny. And of course, 
it's only natural that she'll come at it from her perspective. And she did tell more than one person on her season that she was falling in love with him. But she's like, my perspective is if you're feeling it, say it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to me, this is such host speak. Mm hmm. Like, only trouble can come from telling multiple people you're falling in love with them. Either trouble or hurt. Mm -hmm. And to me, this comes back to what I said last week, which is that I think Katie is an empath because I really think that she wants to mediate that as much as possible. She wants to hurt as little as possible throughout her journey as Bachelorette. Yes. And I just thought it was neat to see this contrast because you don't normally get the host encouraging the lead to just say I, that they're falling in love with multiple people right. if they're feeling it. Right. It's the if, if it feels good, do it philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Which I, I I agree with Katie on this. Yeah, me too. Tasha here reveals that it was during hometowns that she felt she got clarity mm-hmm. with Zach because she really fell in love with his family or felt she could picture herself with them. And I do believe this, but I also believe Tasha is a host who knows that this is probably what she should say heading into hometown week. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I really like Tasha, but yeah, a lot of this conversation felt like the right thing to say to elicit a certain response and reaction yes. and, and to plant certain seeds in Katie's mind. Maybe that's just me thinking cynically. No, Tasha is the, the hostess with the mostest hostess. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Back at the house, the men are in a man chat about their excitement over hometowns. (laughs) And Michael is the main guy we're zooming in on here for obvious reasons. He, of course, talks about his son, James, and how he's sort of struggling. James is not there. That said, he felt that the week prior, Katie had answered questions that, quote, had literally been burning at his brain (laughs) since he got there. (laughs) Yes, he actually has some scars in his brain, Mm -hmm. literally. Back on the stroll, we get our third scare. Duh. Tasha asks, Are you scared at all for this week? We're already at three. Mm-hmm, fast. S- surprising, actually, I yeah. would say, for this word. I wasn't expecting so many and, scares. And, and an abbreviated episode as well. You know what it is. Tasha likes saying the word scared. Yep. That was the trick of this game. Yes. Is we had a person who was very willing to throw around, <laughs> to bandy around the word scared. Yes. Andy, what should the word watch word be for next week? I've decided that the word watch word should be decision. That is my decision. Got that, guys? Word watch for next week is decision. And here Katie expresses excitement over potentially becoming an instant mom with Michael. Yeah. Which, of course, serves as foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. So back at the house, Michael FaceTimes his son, James. And he says in a voiceover that James is not there out of protection for him. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, these FaceTime moments are always so, so cute. They are. He definitely seems like a great dad. And here we get an interesting exchange between the two of them that I couldn't help but dissect. (laughs) James says something really heartbreaking. He says, maybe daddy left because he don't want to see me. And at first I said this while we were watching it. I was like, that is such a perfect soundbite for production. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's too good to be true. Mouths were watering. Yeah. It's too good to be true that you would get that from yeah. a four-year-old over FaceTime. Like yeah. it's just, it tugs on all the heartstrings. I almost like the darkest bachelorette part of me feels like <laughs> someone told him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's not that I don't think he said something along these lines, no. but When I went back and listened again, Michael says, we can spend all that time together once I'm done with this work trip. Mm -hmm. And then James says, 
And there's this weird, and I'm going to insert it, this weird sort of overlay of sounds where he says, sounds like a plan. I know what the problem is. We can spend all that time together once I'm done with this work trip. Sounds like a plan sounded like the actual response to what Michael had just said, but then it sounded like they inserted in, I know what the problem is. Maybe, mm, daddy, mm, left because he don't want to see me. So they inserted oh. daddy in there. They're Franken-biting a three-year-old. <laughs> there should be, there, I think there's like OSHA laws against that. Here's the thing. Obviously, James said something along these lines, mm. right? Because Michael sure. had a really big reaction yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. left over it. So I'm not claiming that production put words in the four-year-old's No, they mouth. just cleaned it up. I think they cleaned it up. Yeah. I think they were trying to drive a point home, maybe make it more concise or maybe make it tug on the heartstrings a little bit more than it otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. And also they added subtitles. Right. So they were really just trying just to, to make sure yeah. you didn't miss that. <laughs> they were driving a point. Yeah, home we worked here. really hard to put this sentence together. <laughs> we don't want you to miss it. Yes. I don't think it really changes the narrative. It of doesn't. Michael's the content was there, but the, the actual phrasing might have been altered. Yes. So then Michael has a breakdown, understandably, mm -hmm. here. He says sure. he's the only certain thing I have in my life. He says he feels conflicted, guilty, and selfish. And then. As he walked towards Katie's room down the hallway, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and you said, I'm not worried. This is bullshit. Mm, I don't know why you have to bring that up. But <laughs> yes, I did say that. I said that out of a defensive nature. I, I knew that this was not looking did you, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wanted to believe it was going to work out, but I, I didn't feel great about it. It's funny. Sometimes the previews are so off base that... You don't trust them to the point where you think that the They're opposite is going to happen. You. Yeah. yeah, like right. the preview suggested Michael might leave for this exact reason. This, yes. But in this case, they just previewed exactly what happened, which I don't actually think is that great a call. Well, this is what I will say. I think it was like reverse psychology in the sense, reverse reverse psychology in the sense that Michael is such a straight shooter. Like if Michael makes acts like he's about to leave, Michael's about to leave. Yes. And like they, by previewing that, they were almost like it was like meta, it was like reverse, reverse psychology. Yes. Like, oh, Michael's leaving. But everyone's like, oh, no, if Michael's leaving, that means he's not leaving. Because yes. Michael, if he was leaving, <laughs> would be leaving. It's, it's very confusing. No, it's true. And the previews sort of do this, like it kind of plays with your mind that yeah. way. Because you're right. If they show someone leaving, then it's like... But he's are they leaving. living like it's the same way with Greg with all the previews with Greg mm -hmm. looking like he may leave. I'm like, right. but does he leave? I'm starting to doubt that he actually leaves. Yeah. Most of these these cliffhangers where someone's about to leave or something terrible is about to happen are followed in the actual episode like 15 seconds later by the music getting all suddenly nice with like violins and everything's <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK. Again. Yeah. Yes. But in this case. He left. Yes. I kind of wish they hadn't previewed this, to be honest. And I say that because. Yeah. I think this would have been a lot more shocking and powerful had we not really seen it coming, I guess. You know, in tradition, they should have previewed something where Michael is saying something very heartfelt to Katie. They mm -hmm. could have even shown it in that departing scene, mm -hmm. but just twisted the meaning of it. Yeah, I feel like the impact of this scene was lessened by that one preview that gave it away, yeah. personally. Yeah. Anyway, so he visits Katie. And he sort of tells her what had happened and he tells her about their journey, how he was skeptical coming into this, but he really saw it with her. Katie is super upset. And I think understandably so. And I'd like to just make a disclaimer here. Yeah. I know that I sold my soul on Michael winning this season. <laughs> and I base my predictions on what 
I'm reading in Katie's heart. Oh, okay. So I believe that Katie was going to pick Michael. I believe he was going to win, but he chose to leave. I'm torn because while I think Katie was really upset, Mm -hmm. and you aptly, by the way, said, you said her reaction is very telling. It's not histrionic. She's very quiet. She is genuinely upset. We were really analyzing how upset we thought she was. Also how upset we thought he was, Mm. which was not super upset. telling. I'm not saying he wasn't feeling it. You're always going to be upset in that situation. You've been through this whole journey. Yeah, You've yeah. expressed these feelings, whether they're sincere or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. You've gotten enveloped in this. Yeah. The goodbye is going to be, a, it's going to be like saying goodbye to like, like you're on a two month vacation in like Kauai, you know, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I got to leave. You're always going to be sad. Yeah. Right. It's the end of a journey. His sadness didn't rise above what I thought was the level of sadness. Any contestant who'd been on that show for that amount yes. of time would have had. I agree. And I'm torn because I, of course, you get that there's the push pull. Like he is probably more excited to see James or, or thinks that he's making the right decision more than he is sad that he's losing yes. Katie or leaving Katie behind. So he has something to look forward to. It's not mm-hmm. like he's just leaving because he doesn't feel right. it, which would be a lot more difficult, actually. We always talk about catalysts yes. here on the pod mm-hmm. in our relationship episodes. And he had a catalyst, which makes a decision like this a hell of a lot easier. Well, it's like breaking up with someone knowing you have someone who's yes. waiting in the wings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's suddenly so much easier to so break up easy. with someone yeah. when you're leaving them for someone else. Right. We're going to go into this in more detail in a bit. But first, I want to go in chronological order. So he gives her or sorry, re-gives her the stopwatch he gave her on night one because she hadn't had pockets to right. hold on to it, which is cute. Move. And he said, I gave that to you because I understood the importance of time. When you're here, the two things you just constantly talk about are time and love, which, by the way, is so true. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that he verbalized it like this, like he really put into words a real truth about the contestant experience, which Mm -hmm. I always talk about in my recaps. The contestant experience is almost entirely about love and time. Time is up there with love. He says, I thought that love was going to be the harder one to attain, and it wasn't. We ran out of time. I can't help but wish we had more in a different world with different circumstance, because I do think it would have worked. And then Katie says, I know it would have worked. As selfish as I want to be, I want to beg you to stay. I just know that's not an option. So I support you going home to James. I think what I really like about this is that he touches on how different the experience must be for a single parent, because... You know, the concept of time, if you've already quit your job or or told your work that you're leaving and not going to be back for nine weeks or whatever, however long it is, you know, you can really put a pin in many aspects of your life. But you, the one thing you cannot put a pin in is your child or being a parent to your child. Your, your child is going to continue to develop and grow right, up and right, do all the things right. like most people can go into, into the bubble and and be cut off from the outside world. It's not that I didn't take this into account with other single parents on the show i think this just really put that into perspective for me yeah i was more just objectively thinking oh that's so difficult you must miss your child Mm -hmm. but it really does touch on the time aspect of everyone's lives are always trucking forward but you just really have your own life to worry about but he doesn't have just his life to worry about his kid is growing up when he sees james again i'm sure james will look older to him like physically larger Mm -hmm. Two weeks. I mean, was I think two weeks is is it? Let's let's 
quantify this. Is it two weeks that he's sacrificing? Is it three weeks? How much time is he basically? Well, at any rate, he has been there for around seven weeks. And how many more weeks would it be if he like won the whole thing? How many more weeks? Nine weeks. Nine more weeks? Oh, sorry. Two more weeks. So nine weeks total. It's two weeks. So, okay. Okay. So now we're going to start getting into what you think was actually happening here. Look, I'm not discounting the the bond he has with his son or how much he wants to see his son. But let's be honest here. He put in seven weeks. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Seven weeks to two weeks. I'm not, I'm no, uh, you know, math PhD, but it's a lot more than two weeks. Right? Yes. So if you put in seven weeks and you've met the girl of your dreams who who will potentially like fill the void and you're not going to spend another two weeks on top of the seven just to see that through. I don't buy it. I and again, I'm not discounting how much he wants to see his son or how important the bond between a father and a young son is. Obviously, I get it. He mm-hmm. also doesn't have his wife. So it's really like more of more even more so it's really a battle between romantic love and the love of a child and i have to i have to say love rules like if he truly deeply loved katie he would stick it out for another two weeks my father went to vietnam for one year my sister was two years old not even she wasn't even two he went to vietnam for a year didn't see her for a year Wow. To serve his country. And I'm not saying that, how dare you not honor your country by staying on the bad side right <laughs> under two weeks. It's not a perfect parallel. But you get my point. It's like things happen. Sometimes, you know, you just have to do something. And I think even more important than going to Vietnam, certainly, I mean, I wish he hadn't done that, but you just met the love of your life, the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, the person who you want to be the mother of your child. He didn't feel it. And I'm, and again, not discounting the feelings for his son or the importance of seeing his son. I know based on just mathematical correlation, he did not feel enough with Katie to want to stick it out another two weeks to make that sacrifice. So I'm a little torn on this. I don't know if I completely agree with you. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, we discussed it when we watched last night. And yeah. Can I add one more thing? Sure. I forgot. (laughs) Sure. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. Time. Okay. So there's love and time, right? Yeah. So he's leaving the show. But just because he's leaving the show doesn't mean their relationship is over. She could just pick whoever she wants, do a few social media posts, do an interview with people and us weekly, (laughs) and six months later, break it off and go back with Michael. Yes. Right? Yes. What's to stop them from doing that? But he made a clear break there. He was like, I'm sorry, we ran out of time. Ran out of time, BS. Some people go away for like, as my father, like go away to war, go away to whatever. They're a journalist. They have to go to Iraq for six months. Like Mm -hmm. people deal with time. They deal with distance. There's nothing to say that this relationship couldn't have picked up after, well after the show was over and she had broken up with whoever she picked as her mate. Yes. And it's actually interesting how Andrew S.'s departure suggested that more than Michael's. Mm-hmm. Like there was more of a there was a card. Like if this doesn't work out, call me. Right. I can see what you mean. I'm glad you added that because it had more of this finality to it mm-hmm. than even Andrew S., who right. wasn't leaving because yes. of a kid he has. And it's interesting how that was revisited at Mental All. Mm-hmm. You know, his interview with Caitlin and Tasha was very much along the lines of, yeah, if she's ever single, you know, I, I'm still open to it. Right. I'm still there mentally. 
I guess I'm torn because I feel like his perspective on it reflects his age and experience. Mm -hmm. Like he has had a 16 year relationship that resulted in a child. He lost his wife and and then he's got his son who is just. He, he as he talked about it in, in a voiceover or in an ITM, he was talking about how he felt like he never wants his son to feel like he's not enough. He's already lost his mom. And so I think there's almost a, it's more than just wanting to be there to spend time with his son. I think it's more that he's terrified of doing something wrong as a parent. I so agree. There's that. But also just taking into account his age, I feel it's much more of a 26 year old perspective to be like, if I don't stay and and see this through then we'll never be together i think it's more of a 36 year old response to be like well if i leave and she picks someone else then it was never meant to be but if we if we reconvene at some point in the future then you know we know there's something there there's more of a relaxed like hands-off approach to it do you know what i mean i get it and and you know in other episodes of our podcast yeah non-bachelor episodes yeah. you know i often talk about how playing it cool is the best move in these situations yes. not game playing just playing it cool yeah acting like you can the buddhist mentality like i can live without this mm-hmm. that's always a strong move but in this case i'm sorry but no one is going to be that cool <laughs> if you wanted to spend the rest of your life with this woman yeah. You would make it explicitly clear in that moment how you felt. There would be, I hate to quantify crying, but there'd be more tears. From there'd him. There'd be more emotion. And there'd be more like leaving it open. Like, who knows? He he never once said, who knows what the future will bring? I've even pulled that line in breakups where I was 1,000% <laughs> sure that this was never happening again. Yeah. Like, who knows? Right, who yeah, knows? You do what, it to uh, soften the blow. Year, a couple of years from now, six months from now, who knows what will happen? That's just a line. Yeah. He didn't even pull that. It was like nothing. Yeah, but do you not think him saying we ran out of time is sort of him saying that? But ran out of time is, that's final. That's like... That's it. We ran out of time. The clock's up. The bomb went off. That's it. It's over. Like, it was very, I mean, either he's the coolest guy in the world (laughs) or he wasn't set on Katie. I don't totally disagree with you. I see why you're saying everything you're saying. I think what I'm torn on is feeling like the way he left exuded such a confidence in what they shared where it would suggest he thought they could pick it up after it was all over. Mm. Almost like he doesn't fully grasp that she's supposed to end up engaged to someone at the end of this process. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. Maybe, Do you know what I mean? Right. But then the other side of me is like, he really wasn't, I, I'm not a body language expert, but he didn't seem that upset to me. And, and there is a third scenario here. Okay. Let's not discount how excited he may be about having the opportunity to select from 27 (laughs) women in a few months. Well, we think Michael is definitely becoming Bachelor. And by the way, no complaints about that. No, I think he's going to be a great Bachelor. Yeah, his departure in no way made me think that he would be less of a Bachelor. And to be honest with you, I think, unlike Thomas and many other people on the season, I don't think Michael had his sights set on being Bachelor. I don't think... Not only his sight set, I don't even think he was thinking about it. No. I really think he went on this show with the right intentions. I think he went on this on this show to have a moment for himself, mm-hmm. to really try and find his happiness, as we talk about, or as he talks about later in Mental All, which we, right. which we will get to. I really think it was just like, I need 
I'm trying to find myself, which right. is really what I think this experience should be about. Absolutely. So I think he was 100% sincere in that. And I do think he was sincere in his feelings for her. And I'm torn because on one side, I agree with you. Would he have really left behind the woman of his dreams? Nope. Knowing that she could instead choose someone else. But then I also think at 36, you have a sort of understanding of the world and relationships to be like, well, if she's going to end up engaged to someone else in two weeks, then it was never mine to begin with. Like this was never supposed to be. Which is kind of the way I think, by the way. Mm -hmm. I just think it reflects his maturity in a way to not think that, oh, if I leave, then we'll never be together. Anymore. Everything Michael's done throughout this whole season Exudes reflects maturity. his maturity, except yes. asking for the kiss. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I, there's conflicting opinions He did facepalm at that. Yes. <laughs> so in an ITM after Michael leaves, Katie says, it just doesn't feel right. Our connection is still there, but it's unexplored. All I'm looking for is to be in love and find my person. And it's very possible my person just left. Mm -hmm. I'm torn. Like, was was the whole thing that... I, it felt a little anticlimactic. The tears shed. Katie shed more than him, for mm -hmm. sure. But even the, so, I felt by her breakdown that either they didn't show all of it or she was never really going to pick him. Like, I feel like if Greg left she would have three times the reaction, histrionic or not. Um, I don't think we'll ever know because we'll never, s well, we may actually, <laughs> but we may not ever see her in that scenario, but we may. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I agree that she probably could have amped it up a little bit to if he was definitely That's the top pick, but I, I don't know Katie well enough. I just feel like, look, she threw up apparently from just having a bad conversation with Hunter. <laughs> I mean, who she didn't even wasn't even in her top six. So who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe it was was not enough. You know what I think it is? And I said it last week and I'm going to keep bringing it up, I think. I don't want to be a broken record, but it reflects, again, the empath vibes. Like, I think if Katie had hurt Michael the way he just hurt her, mm -hmm. she would be crying five times as much because she would feel so awful. Mm -hmm. But when it's her own hurt, I don't know if she shows it in the same well, way. Well, that's why I made the point of noticing that she it was a quiet pain she was mm -hmm. experiencing. It wasn't histrionic. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the gear she's in when she's genuinely upset, not camera upset. Yeah. It'll be interesting if Greg does leave yeah. to compare the two. No, there will be a comparison. <laughs> we'll be taking notes of how much she cries if someone else leaves. It's so We will sick. have a two-hour episode comparing the crying from Greg <laughs> versus the crying from Michael. Uh, this show makes sickos out of everyone. It does. To close this conversation, I just want to include this quote you said last night, Andy, which is, he never would have left unless he knew it wasn't going to work. Love always wins. Which, by the way, is sweet. It shows your romantic I'm side. I'm a hopeless romantic. You are. Well, now hopeful. I've, I've, I've graduated from hopeless. Because I'm now married, right? Isn't that, isn't that the end of that? <laughs> so do you stand by that quote? I do. I wonder if that makes you more of a romantic than me. I think I'm definitely more of a romantic than you. <laughs> I've never really no thought offense. about it. No, I think you're right. You're more pragmatic. I'm way more pragmatic. For me, I see this and it's, it is almost mathematical. It's like, mm -hmm. well, if she could just as easily end up engaged to someone else in two weeks, then there's no loss no, here. You got you to gotta think with the heart, not with the mind. I mean, that's debatable. This, uh, to me, this is as much about the mind. 
Oh, well, it, the heart is affected by the mind, but I'm saying in the end, the heart dictates. It depends who you talk to. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. I feel like we just spent as much time talking about this segment as the segment actually took. Yes, <laughs> that, that was a real-time <laughs> recap. <laughs> we just, there was a lot to observe here. Yes, yeah. I think it's the most pivotal moment in the whole show. This is the first time she was faced with, I believe, true, unavoidable emotional reaction. Mm. And I believe, I still believe, that Michael was going to be her pick. <laughs> I made that bet and I'm still sleeping. I it. just have a hard time agreeing with that. I just feel like if she really thought she was going to get engaged to him and move to Ohio to be the stepmother to James, she would have had bigger reaction i don't am i crazy there's a limit to how much reaction you can have on this show she can't <laughs> completely have a total meltdown like i like mean for me it always you never saw desiree's level. season and i always go back to that scene where brooks left which after having read her book by the way you know it gives great context but at the time watching desiree's reaction to brooks leaving you couldn't help but think she was gonna pick him okay i didn't see that but i trust you yeah, I, I just think it has happened on the show. Although, you know, according to from the horse's mouth, she was always going to pick Chris. So I'm not I'm not suggesting right. that she was going to pick him. But and of course, everyone's different. Everyone's going to react in different ways, especially when there's cameras on them. And of course, we're only we only know about as much as we're shown. Right. It's possible she spent the whole day crying. I just can't help but think that if she had spent the whole day crying, they would have shown that. I think you're right. I, th I, th I the jury is out on the emotional response. I think the 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 tenor of the emotional response was different, and for that reason, I give it more weight. But the volume of the motion, the emotional <laughs> response was lighter. So, you know, which camp are you in? <laughs> All right, let's move on to Mentello, also hosted by Keisha. I thought mm. they did a nice job here. Sure. Right down to the fact that Taisha calls it one of the most dramatic seasons in Bachelor history, mm -hmm. which is now Requisite. proof, I think, that this is not a Chris Harrison-specific thing. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the powers that be love to try to convince us that the season we're currently watching is one of the most dramatic ever. And, and I think for many of the viewers, they're convinced. It's, it's, it's like a hyp hypnosis. <laughs> this is the most dramatic season of The Bachelorette. <laughs> You, know you will believe that this is the most dramatic season because I'm saying it for the third time. <laughs> it reminds me of that Family Guy episode where Peter's watching Breaking Bad and all Breaking Bad is is hypnosis about <laughs> how good Breaking That's Bad so is. <laughs> you will tell everyone you know that the best show you've ever seen is Breaking Bad, except for maybe The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. so true. Maybe there's something to that. I bet you there's data somewhere that proves this. Sort of like how there's data that Absolutely. that when you shop and there's like upbeat loud music, people buy more. Can I be honest with you? Every time they say that, 80% of me is like, ugh. And 20% is like, hmm? <laughs> so you felt that. You were watching this. Yeah. You were like, oh, maybe oh, it's this a trigger. Was. Yeah. Every time they say it, I'm like, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. Okay, so at this mental all, there's Courtney, Cody, Carl, Trey, Brendan, James, Kyle, Aaron, Connor B, Hunter, Andrew S, and Michael. Conspicuously missing. They couldn't pay this guy enough to be there. They couldn't just get here, Thomas. Here's five grand. Just come on the damn show. I was actually talking about Mike P. Oh, 
I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> no, but well, I mean, I was I thinking agree. about was Thomas. Well, Thomas, <laughs> they clearly wanted to make a whole thing about Thomas, which we'll get to. Yeah. But Mike P, I yeah. mean, Mike P was kind of a major player. Can I be honest? As I said in the last recap, when he waved the white flag, he was done with the franchise. Yeah. Not just done with that season. <laughs> He's out. He's like back home enjoying <laughs> he's, his He's still reading lifestyle. those emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's catching up on 70,000 emails. <laughs> So we get the usual recap of the season, and afterwards, Caitlin asks Aaron to explain the Cody thing. Mm-hmm. And Aaron alludes, to, it's honestly no clearer than it was on the show. No. He alludes to, to thinking Cody's there for the wrong reasons for followers. He references reckless social media posts. Mm-hmm. And Brendan later says, what you posted was very disturbing. Mm. And by the way, I really want to know what he posted now, but I swear I looked. I'm also just, I don't go on Reddit for my own sanity. So I don't know what he posted. Mm-hmm. But I, I, don't I imagine it's something maybe like political, political or offensive or, or yeah, something. Anyway, we know nothing more about that. But surprising nobody, Cody is no better at defending himself than he was on the show. He's the, in, in like a trial, if he was ever accused <laughs> of a crime, like falsely accused of any crime, he's going to prison. It's actually yeah. a little sad. Yeah, like his attorney would be like, this man did not commit this crime. This was another perpetrator. And Cody's like, well, you know, he could. I don't know. I was I was a little sleepy that day. I don't know what I did. <laughs> It's amazing. He's the worst. He's not great at defending himself. And then here Carl gets involved because Carl loves getting involved. He says, when you guys go after people, it's a witch hunt. And then, of course, it's now about Carl. And Carl is claiming that the guy, even though he said multiple guys, that the guy he was warning everyone about was Thomas. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) How convenient. Amazing. It's O.J. Simpson. (laughs) It's Bill Cosby. (laughs) Breaking news. <laughs> uh, it's sadly unsurprising that Carl would have taken this tack. He tells Brendan to shut the fuck up at one point. He does. And he says that he did make mistakes and does this annoying thing that always bothers me. I don't like it when people sort of admit to making mistakes or they, they take responsibility mm-hmm. and then make this show of being like, have none of you ever made mistakes? Right, exactly. It's like, so you're taking responsibility, but then you're also kind of not. You're not. It's like the two wrongs make a right, the whole thing, you know, empty apology. Like, well, I'm sorry you feel that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, which will, there's also oh, one there's of those there's another later. one, yeah. There's always <laughs> one of those. Yeah, there is always one of those. Actually, Hunter does a way better job of this to be like, I did this wrong. I own that. Again. Instead of being like, have none of you done anything wrong? (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Ever. That's another defense Cody would say when he's innocent on his trial. (laughs) But uh, again, Hunter, we talk about age. It's such an advantage, I think. Like Hunter is 34. Yep. And he shows his age. Mm Mm-hmm. He's dealing. There are a lot of twenty-six-year-olds on this season. There Hunter's are. thirty-four. I'm not saying Hunter's better than anybody else, but Hunter handles these situations better. And who handles them the best? Thirty-six-year-old Michael. Michael. Yep, it's so true. You can almost correlate someone's behavior with their exact age. Except Andrew S., who's just time, yeah. Andrew S. Timeless. is an outlier. He's timeless. He's an outlier. Yeah. But yeah, to me, Aaron is a great example. As mm-hmm. mature as Aaron might look and sound, like his voice is kind of deep. Does he do? <laughs> anything but point fingers could you imagine being friends with this guy like you'd be walking on eggshells constantly yeah aaron is a giant paradise audition to me yeah 
Like he's a walking Paradise audition. Well, he creates drama even when drama shouldn't be created. I actually don't know if he'll be on Paradise because I haven't looked it up he'll or anything. He'll be on Paradise. <laughs> okay, but yeah. we, we feel confident he'll on be on that. Paradise. So now Carl gets all worked up. He's standing up talking to the audience and being a little motivational speakery, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Can't help and then Brendan's kind of miffed and he stands up. And then mm-hmm. Carl starts getting up in, and Trey stands up between yeah, them. Everyone's standing. And Carl starts getting up in Brendan's face, which is a very well, curious it, choice. It just shows that there's like, you know, the big, beefy firefighter Canadian. Yeah. Like a guy steps to him. He's like, bro, this is like a Thursday night at any Toronto <laughs> bar. Like, please, you really... You think you're going to take I it's the coolness in the battle. It's like when I, you know, I used to, I was in a boxing gym for a long time. Yeah. And you could always tell who the best boxers were versus guys who were like, eh. Yeah. The best boxers walked around, the nicest guys, smiling, <laughs> yeah. nothing to prove. And the, and the guys who were, eh, were always like, yeah, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, I'll show you. <laughs> I think that could actually be applied to a lot of fields because I feel like singing is kind of similar. I know this is a really weird comparison. But when I think about the singers that shit talk other singers the most, Mm -hmm. the ones that are like criticizing their voice, their technique, their acting, you know, sort of picking apart other singers and generally being bitter about their success. It's usually the singer that's not the greatest. Right. The great singers are not wasting their time talking about how other singers aren't good. And, And big dogs generally are not big barkers. But little tiny dogs love oh, to bark. Oh, that's true. So are we calling Carl a chihuahua? We are. <laughs> and and similar to a fight between a Great Dane and a chihuahua, I believe that Carl would have been put to sleep in about 30 seconds by Brendan. Yeah, Brendan certainly was not snuffing any conflict here, but I do not think that he would lose a fight with Carl. (laughs) I think he was confused. He's like, you're stepping to me? Do you understand (laughs) how inferior you are to me physically? (laughs) And then Carl says, I wasn't going to be a rat, which is, again, also amazing because he he was a rat. He was the ultimate He just had no actual names to give. And then he pretended that all along it was Thomas. It's just irritating. But Mm. I also am unsurprised. Mm. And here the shift moves over to Thomas. The guys just start really digging into Thomas and talking about how manipulative he was, how fake he was, what a liar he was. I feel very protective of Thomas. I know. I always have hated it when at these tell-alls people talk about someone who's not even there. Mm -hmm. I just think it's not fair. Even if that person was the shittiest person ever to be on this franchise, it's not fair. Everyone knows how you feel about Thomas. Yes. Interestingly, Hunter somewhat defends Thomas here. He says, I don't think Thomas is a bad person. I think this setting makes you do things and think things and feel things that you wouldn't normally do. I think he made some poor choices and kind of got caught up in that. I applaud him, but I do think part of this was him... Defending himself. Defending himself because he became Thomas 2.0 or 1.5, as James said. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Another cheap shot. But I think that the reason he has that perspective... Is also because it did happen to him. Yeah. Like circumstance made him say and do and feel and think things mm-hmm. that he thought he had a handle on and clearly he didn't. And I think that's the perfect way of wording the situation because sure, they were they had these moments of dishonesty. But like we said in that episode with Hunter, when suddenly a light is on you and you're on stage and you're being asked to defend yourself it's easy to see why you would be like well i i am falling for her even if earlier i didn't word it exactly correctly but we're going to get to that now so the the shift now moves over to hunter Mm -hmm. it's it's basically uh a 
pass the baton of, of or it's villains. more like like pass the pinata <laughs> yes good good job <laughs> so now we're talking about hunter and james apparently called hunter thomas 2.0 and i thought it was funny that hunter was the one to remind everyone that it was actually 1.5 mm-hmm. instead of 2.0 mm-hmm. self-deprecating it is maturity. and then james feels the need to explain that by saying half the size but twice the bleep was he saying twice the shit twice the bullshit twice the dick Twice the nah, that would be. I don't know why. I don't know what they believe. I can very, only imagine bullshit. Oh, you're probably right. It was bullshit. Half the size, but twice the bullshit. Yeah, it's like he. So, so Hunter just self-deprecated, and now James is adding on to yeah, the no, insult. James is defining why it was 1.5. Right, as if we had no idea. Yeah. To be fair, I think either Tasha or Caitlin was like, "I don't understand." Like, oh, explain okay. the 1.5. All but right, fine. James is involved in a lot of... James likes to be, like, I feel like James is kind of thinks of himself as kind of like, you know, the elder statesman somehow. But he's really, all he does is just kind of better articulate insults and finger pointing. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, if we're going to talk about the the honesty police, which are Aaron, Trey, James, and somewhat Brendan, Mm -hmm. you thought Trey was the beat cop. Yes. Aaron was the police chief. Yes. I think James is like... He's like the district attorney. (laughs) And then here, James says something interesting. He's the only one, I think, in the whole episode to suggest that Thomas actually was honest. He says at least Thomas was honest and forthcoming while he felt Hunter wasn't. Hmm. I just thought it was funny how the only time that there was any defense for Thomas was to make someone else look worse. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Is that something a district attorney would do? You got to slow down taking this analogy too literally (laughs) because I I didn't think it all through. Hunter owns the dishonesty with the top four thing. He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did do that. And the love thing. But I love to hear how he differentiated between saying he was in love and falling in love. Yes. Because I think that the the L word just gets thrown around way too willy nilly Mm -hmm. on this show. And Mm -hmm. actually, I once had a recap sort of mocking the timeline of falling. Like, I can imagine myself falling in love. I can I picture myself falling in love. I am officially falling in love. I am officially now in love. Right. It's like the nine stages of falling in love. They're all articulated. Yeah. As if it actually works like that in that order, like on some time. I'm on level six of love. (laughs) I'm good. I'm working towards seven. So I liked that Hunter said, is there a difference between being in love and falling in love? To me, there is. On the whole, I thought Hunter handled this so well. Excellent. Once again, showing that he's 34. Mm -hmm. And then Trey, God, Trey, he continues to dissect this. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you said this and the wording was like this. And then you told that you told uh, Shea Coulee this. And then you said this when you were asked this. And then Hunter says, yeah, Hindsight is 2020. I wish I'd said the perfect things and I didn't. Mm hmm. Trey talks too much. He talks a lot. He's a little holier than thou mm-hmm. for me. Based on He's that. one of those c- contestants who I believe, like Aaron and kind of like James and, you know, the, the policeman mm-hmm. who kind of um, focused more on analyzing other people's experience than actually trying to win Katie's love. Yeah. And I know we've discussed or this Or just before. even having your own experience. Or just, yeah, just, just I don't do think the your whole thing. thing. Yeah. Don't keep looking at what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Like, he's just, all he does is just analyze. Like, you can't get away with, between him and Aaron, it's like, you can't get away with anything. Yeah. Like, if I took too many hors d'oeuvres in the morning, like, <laughs> oh, I saw you eating too much, you're getting a little heavy. Like, what, <laughs> the guy's on top of everything. 
It's so true. And here, Connor B. decides to join the fray. He defends Hunter and says, I was his roommate. I know that he was falling in love with him. Say what you want. And then James says, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And Connor B. says, and yours is wrong. I'm just telling you. (laughs) (laughs) And when Connor throws shade, you know it's on point. Yes. I loved this moment. He really came at it from a sort of a matter-of-fact way. And of course... You can't, it's never going to end with Aaron, Trey, and James. It never dies. It's like, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Oh, well, you said it like this. Oh, well, you said that. Like, it's just, there's never an end. It's always like trailing off with this little, like, getting the last word in. It's more like they treat the show like they're on Survivor rather than they're on Bachelorette. Yeah, like there is some debate that needs winning. And you made a really good point here Mm -hmm. that you can tell right away without ever having watched one minute of the season who the front runners were. In that season during the Mentel All. Just yeah. watch the Mentel All. You're like, that guy's a front runner, that guy's a front runner, that guy's kind of in the middle, and those five guys pff, never had a shot. I do feel like in this moment you could see the hierarchy. Yeah. Like of course there's Michael, Andrew, Connor B. They're like the top dogs among this group. Yep. Now if Blake and Justin and Greg were there, then maybe things would be shifted slightly. But in this group, the top dogs are pretty clear. And it's funny to me how even over these little debates that have nothing to do with who's a front runner, Mm -hmm. you can see there is a little bit of reverence Mm -hmm. for the people who were the top dogs in the season. And when Connor B basically tells James to shut it, James is kind of like, oh, yes, sir. And it's funny because I feel like in another realm, I'm not sure if Connor B, of all people, told someone like James to shut it, that James would, you know, turn around with his tail between his legs, but it worked in this scenario. James would be the alpha in that scenario. Yeah, Yeah. but in this scenario, it's different. Yeah, and it's interesting to note that of those four obvious front runners who are just the cool, confident ones who don't say that much, the only negative comment that was made was about Connor B defending a negative comment made about yeah, Hunter. It was in defense of someone else. Right. Yeah. That says something. Mm-hmm. It actually ties back to what we've always been talking about all season, which is the confidence thing. Yeah. If you're confident, you are not focusing on what other guys are doing wrong. Nope. 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 Okay, so now we have hot seat time mm-hmm. and not a ton of development here. No. First up is Connor B. It was first of all, he looks great with a beard. I just yes. want to go on the record saying I that. also think Michael looks good with a beard. And I usually don't like the goatee look, but I think Michael it works. I thought a goatee is only it's only when you have the He, soul he has patch a goatee esque beard. Really? It's in the goatee family. I thought it was cute that he revealed he's texted exes to ask if he was a bad kisser. <sighs> As if they're going to tell him it was a bad kisser. <laughs> they, you don't think they would? Unless they, if they had a bad breakup, maybe they'd tell him that. <laughs> this got really weird really fast when an audience member named Tara oh. comes out of nowhere and then comes down and they kiss. I, I, this was just very Jerry Springer to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. just sort of like, what's happening? And I guess he had been checking her out and he admitted he'd been checking her out. She saw him checking her out, which is cute. Yeah. And then I guess they exchanged numbers. But... I don't know. To me, I, I I get that this was validating Connor B's abilities to kiss, which is yeah. cute, I guess. Yeah. But it also felt really staged and kind of fake and a, a little bit trashy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Not to sound... I don't want to sound judgmental. I just... For me, a kiss is something that is worked up to based on chemistry and connection. And so it's a little weird when it's like, I'm sure you're a good kisser. Let's now put our mouths on each other right. and discover whether or not I'm right. 
I mean, the fact that we're talking about it means it probably had some value. So <laughs> maybe they made the right call. Okay, okay. And then we have Andrew S. Nothing really new here. He no. just reaffirms that he was really into her. Mm-hmm. It was cute. He said he grew up watching rom-coms with his mom and yeah. he's a hopeless romantic. He gave it his all. Yep. He's a sweetheart, but nothing new here, really. Yeah. Andrew S., always in my heart. Always in your heart. And so then we have Michael's hot seat time. He reveals that he wants to say watching the segment back brings him back to that place. But since that day, he's been feeling it the entire time, mm. which leads Caitlin to sort of ask, oh, wait, do you think that you would revisit a relationship with Katie? Which, by the way, I think Caitlin is a great host. She's very good at sort of rolling Absolutely. With what she's given. Yep. Michael says it's what he had to do to be a great parent to a beautiful son and that balance that all single parents try to keep together, which is taking care of somebody that they truly love while simultaneously trying to find happiness for themselves. He says when you pursue one, it can feel as though it takes away from another. It's a constant juggling act. I feel like single parents everywhere I probably mm-hmm. stood up and applauded to this. Yep, yep. I think it's very relatable what he said here. Also, can we talk about how incredibly articulate he is? Yes, we can. <laughs> Michael is really well-spoken. And I often feel in these tell-alls, you can suddenly see that someone who you thought was really well-spoken maybe just isn't. Yes. And Michael is super well-spoken. Yeah, you don't need to edit him. No. he's just He says it right the first time. Yeah, they must love him, the... the the back office of Bachelor just loves watching Michael talk. Yeah. The vibe is very, this could work later, or like, if love exists, it'll find a right, way, right, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of a tear-jerking hot seat segment. Caitlin can't stop crying. Yeah. I love Caitlin. Yeah. She's just a sweetheart. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. So here we have the smack talking segment, which was cute. Sure. In general, we start to see now a lot of a lot of evidence that there's a lot of friendship going on in the house. Operation Whoa Whoa is shown, which is where Michael admitted he was out of the challenge. Yeah. He comes off very cute in this. And to me, it made me think even more that he might become Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And then Jason comes out, Jason Tartik, and they show his proposal to Caitlin, which was cute. It was cute. I had never seen this in its entirety. And I was just like... Caitlin's reaction was priceless. It was priceless. I love how unfiltered she is. Anyway, friend of the pod, in case you haven't seen it yet, our love fest with Caitlin and Jason, I'm going to link it out right now. So Katie finally arrives and not a ton happens here. She sort of shuts down the possibility with Michael in the future. Did but you notice that? But she has to. She's yeah, a, it's she an obligatory shutting down. What is she like? She's with you know, I don't believe so she's ostensibly Michael. with someone yeah, from the so season. You can't say like, yeah, yeah, I think there is hope for us. Yeah. And she says she believes everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. In general, I found v- Katie very stiff and uncomfortable yeah. during the tell all, which, by the way, I don't say in a negative way. I think it's actually endearing when someone is uncomfortable. Sure, human. I think it's so important for people to re- remember that during these tell alls, it's the first time that you're really in this setting with an audience, a live audience. I mean, also imagine like, you know, trying to compare it to real life. Imagine if you were suddenly put in a room with all your ex-girlfriends or boyfriends. Yeah, ex, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's yeah. with some room for error there. Yeah. But, and you have a live audience. Mm-hmm. It's, right, it's an insane experience. Yeah, I think it's very different from the live audience when you're first crowned as Bachelorette, where it's just softball questions sure. and it's all easy. This is a totally different scenario. And I think if I 
were bachelorette and had to go to my men tell all, I would be just, I'd be peeing my pants. Mm -hmm. I honestly would be. And I think that you can see that in her. And in general, I think you should be uncomfortable in this situation. It it bothers me when people are too comfortable. I'll put it that way. True. Not much to say about any of the conversations with the guys here, except for the fact that she does call Aaron Thomas. Which we amazing. I've called Aaron Thomas a million times, but now that I know Thomas better and I know Aaron better, I apologize to Thomas. It's pretty great, and to me, once again, this reflected how nervous and uncomfortable she was. Yeah, this is. I mean, they do have a similar. They have a similar something. They do. And then here, Connor B sings a song about bromance, and we have to talk about this for a second because I am telling you, this was a calculated decision, not Mm. on Connor B's part, on production's part, to air this. Because in the past, we never, ever, ever would have seen a segment dedicated to the friendships among the guys. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to show bloopers or these funny moments where you you see that there are friendships. This was literally like everyone sing along to how good friends we are now. Right, right, right. (laughs) And I feel it was almost a decision made on purpose given how incredibly toxic some recent tell-alls have felt i know you don't really know what i'm talking about it has been more so with bachelor seasons but some recent tell-alls have been like i need to take a shower after Mm -hmm. it's just so icky and so it kind of felt like they were trying to steer away from that and i was very into it nothing to say to that (laughs) i don't Zero opinion. Zero opinion. And then with Carl, Katie says something really interesting. She says, the men were more important to me than you as an individual. This really mm. stood out because I felt like you could have applied this to the reasoning behind her sending home every single guy based on hearsay. Right. She basically was prioritizing a positive vibe in the house and the environment for the men over whatever maybe half explored feelings she felt for someone or at least that's what she said many weeks after the incident (laughs) having whitewashed it (laughs) true true and then finally we have thomas Mm -hmm. who dials in Uh, Uh, what were your thoughts on this uh, i don't know i I just none am i allowed to have no thoughts you are allowed to have no thoughts i feel like that's about accurate there was not a lot to work with here It did feel like they were trying to get water under the bridge without actually addressing any of the stuff that we had beef with. Mm -hmm. But Thomas basically is like, when was that shift? And to me, I felt like this was spoon fed. And maybe I'm overthinking this. I can totally admit I'm overthinking this because I am an overthinker. But to me, it felt like this question Thomas might have been encouraged to ask because it allowed Katie to own having sent him home not based on hearsay does that make sense yes so he says what happened when was that shift and she said the night of the rose ceremony and as i talked to you about what we were going through i was practically crying and you were smiling at me and giving your speech and it just didn't feel genuine okay but at that point we have to remember that the seed had been planted by other guys you know like they, sure. they he was embroiled in a lot of wrong reasons chatter mm-hmm and I feel here she was indirectly claiming that she had come to that conclusion on her own, that she was planning on sending him home at some Again, point. Again, she's revisiting. An a- she's had much time to think about the best and, way she should have reacted. And has gotten much flack. 
Yes. I don't think we were the only ones to take issue with how she sent. It's not fair. You you ever like be in a situation, a tense situation with somebody and they say things that are really offending you or upsetting you and you just you don't respond with anything good. You're just like blah, 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 blah. And then like 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, man, I could have said that. That would have been awesome. Esprit d'escalier. Is that what that's called? It's my favorite expression. It means later on remembering or thinking of something that you wish you had said. I'm going to use the esprit d'escalier. Yes. Yes. So as you just so eloquently and and francophilely (laughs) stated, I think this was a a perfect example of in retrospect, I would have felt and said this. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Yeah. And it's also easy to be like, yeah. And I did feel that in that moment, that conversation, I did have those feelings, but I also think that that's just such a, a sliver of what actually happened. Right. I, I, to me, it read as her being like, I was always going to send you home. It was my own intuition. It had nothing to do with what I was told because no doubt has she gotten flack for sending so many guys home, a total of four men home based on hearsay. But also the manner in which she sent Thomas home was unacceptable no matter what he did. Well, so about that. Mm, here we have a, <laughs> a, an empty apology, I believe you're <laughs> going to lead to. Yeah, yes. I don't want to be a dick. I think Katie is a wonderful bachelorette and mm-hmm. person. Sure. But here Thomas is just like, I learned so much. You know, I wish you all the best, blah, blah, blah. I had a lovely time. He's just really kind about it. And Katie responds, in reflecting back, it is unfortunate how things were explained and ultimately handled. In the moment, I did what was best for me in the way I chose to send you home. Mm. But I will say that if that caused you any pain, I do apologize for that. And I do wish nothing but the best for you. Okay, so this is kind of a non-apology. Like, I think it's nice of her to address it at all. A lot of bachelorettes would not. Sure. A lot of them would be like, oh, yeah, I wish you the best, too. Like, I stand by everything I did. There was a tone here that suggested, I know that how I sent you home was shitty. I personally would have preferred a, I wish that I hadn't sent you home in this way. I think it was unnecessarily hurtful. A little bit of regret. A little bit of of regret, not a, if that hurt you, I'm sorry, which is never a real apology. I'm sorry you're such a softie. I apologize for your soft feelings. Yeah, if if that hurt you, if that thing I did hurt you. But I did appreciate how she said how things were explained and ultimately handled were unfortunate. Mm-hmm. She did that much. She did. No, it's it's she got uh, she got like a C plus B minus for that <laughs> apology as opposed to a straight up F. So what's an example of an F apology? An F apology is I'm really sorry you feel that way. It's the patronizing. I'm sorry you have fragile emotions. Not yeah. my, it's, it's the worst apology you can ever give. Yeah. It's way worse than saying nothing. Mm hmm. Yeah, she did Katie not gets a that. B minus C plus for at least alluding to the fact that the way she sent him home was possibly shitty. Yeah, it was like a restaurant that doesn't put enough seasoning in their food. But yes. you leave, you're like, I'm, you know, you I'm not hungry anymore. I'm you not still, hungry. You still yeah. got what you ordered. As opposed to going to a restaurant where you get food poisoning, <laughs> which is, which is, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> okay, and then we have bloopers, and that's a wrap for this episode. How do you feel about recapping a, a tell-all? It kind of feels like recapping a recap. I feel a little dirty. I feel <laughs> like like I've I need a recap shower. It's yeah. too much. It's too almost. I feel like yeah. I'm analyzing an analysis. Yeah, and I will say this tell-all in particular did not bring anything new. All we know is that these guys were even more friendly with each other than we thought. Sure. But in terms of conflict resolution or water being under the bridge, the best we got really was Thomas. And even that felt kind of 
performative for Katie. Not mm-hmm. for Thomas, actually. I felt like Thomas was totally on brand, actually. Yeah. And I felt like this the Thomas thing was more of an opportunity for Katie to come off a little better with regards to Thomas. Does that make sense? Yes. I will, I will say one thing about Thomas is many, particularly six foot five, 240 pound men, like <laughs> Thomas is, can learn a lesson from the way he never ever loses his temper but not only doesn't lose his temper never raises his voice yeah no matter how much people throw shade at him no matter how angry he deservedly could be mm-hmm. never raises his voice never says anything nasty to anybody mm-hmm. it's impressive and i think people can learn from i that. thought he came off great yeah he owned having made mistakes mm-hmm. and was just like i learned a lot you're a wonderful person have a great time great life (laughs) i'm looking forward to a bachelor in paradise appearance i i I mean i hope yeah i don't actually know but hard to imagine he's not i mean it's it's in his court to turn that down let's yes absolutely okay so word watch andy Mm. there were three scareds there were and there were eight Winners. A whopping eight winners. Congratulations to Mary Gao, C.M. Bakewell, Zal Sadi626. I hope I said that right. Mm. Emily Henry, August Votman, Louisa D'Souza, L. Alana, and Vsand14. You guys all guessed correctly. Kudos to you. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure everyone was aware that this would be an abbreviated episode. Yeah. So if you if you prorated it out, I mean, I honestly think we may have had like 10 scareds. Yeah. But that's irrelevant. Especially if Taisha was in the episode more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they're still winners. Yeah. Not taking anything away. No. Eight winners. You all guessed correctly. Well done. All right, Andy. Mm-hmm. Do you feel ready to get to our predictions? They're getting a lot easier. <laughs> They are. So now we're down to three. Mm-hmm. And you have lost your front runner of many, many weeks. Shall we have our moment of silence now for Michael? Or does it feel different? I don't know if Michael um, deserves a moment of silence. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Michael. So someone has to get heartbroken and leave unwillingly. Yeah, Michael can't leave on like on his own volition and then get a moment of silence. Okay, okay. If anything, Katie deserves a moment of silence. That's true. Okay, so we're... And I deserve a moment of silence <laughs> because I think he would have been the winner. So we're not <laughs> So we're not doling out moments of silence. No, easily it has to be here. tragic. Okay. You can't have Fair. someone just leave the show and get a moment of silence. Fair. Come so on. Michael is not getting a moment of silence. No. So in that case, who do you have in your top spot based on episode eight? Let's be clear. I'm actually a little sore with Michael. I'm not happy what he did. He prevented you from having he, he, predicted I, yeah, correctly. Yeah, he stole my number one. Yeah, yeah it's ruined, all about you. He ruined my top four <laughs> with his child. <laughs> so who's, who's in your top spot now? Well, I actually am a little bit relieved because I finally can put Blake where I kind of had a hunch he should be. Yeah. In the number one spot. Okay. I don't really think that needs any explaining. No, it's pretty damn obvious. Um, Greg, obviously number two. I'm not. Is Did that... I ask you your number two? Let me get to my number one, which is also Blake. I actually think that our top three will all be aligned, so we might as well just do it together. Yeah. The Shandy top spot prediction is Blake. Mm-hmm. Second place prediction is Greg. Mm-hmm. And we think Justin is going home next week. Not it's really hard to put going. Justin ahead of Greg. We literally know nothing about Justin. If Justin doesn't go home next week, it'll be because Greg left. Yes. 
there's a lot to be seen with the Greg thing. And I don't know what's going to happen because I feel like <clears throat> the fact that the previews suggested Michael might leave for his son and ended up being correct make me wonder if the previews suggesting Greg might leave because he has doubts are not going to happen because why would they it's preview all, accurately the it, same thing twice? It's impossible. It's, it's mathematically impossible. That, that they, they teased Greg leaving after teasing Michael leaving, and they both leave. So wait, so now you think Greg stays? I think Greg stays. Okay, so in that case, you still think Blake I, I have a slight concern Greg leaves, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's less than it used to be. Okay. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like Greg is like, you know, I'm, go, I'm doing this. Okay. Like he, already, he made his decision last episode. He yeah. was on the, on the fence. He's like, I'm going to do this. Okay. Wait, so if you think Greg does not leave, you still have him in your second spot? You still think Katie is picking Blake over Greg? Uh-oh. Are we changing this on the go? You know, you put, I'm, I'm in a tough spot here because I don't think Greg's heart is fully in it. Therefore, he should probably leave. Is he going to leave? I feel less strongly about that than before, primarily because, because of the reverse Michael, psychology yes. of the teaser. Yes. So it is very tough. I'm going to just make my bets on Greg staying, but I know she said he was the best kisser. I know she said that. About Greg. And I did put a lot of weight on that. That was a very important huge. tell. Huge. But I believe the overall package of Blake is just by a nose going to beat out the slight waffling of Greg that Katie senses. My opinion. Or you can make a case that the slight waffling makes her feel even more strongly about Greg. <laughs> and I'm not going to go there. I'm saying Blake, then Greg, with the caveat, disclaimer, that Greg may leave, but if he doesn't leave, I still think that Blake's going to win. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, they've done a good job of not making it clear who she's going to pick. I'll put it this way. I just feel that Greg fills her with doubt. Like she, you know, she, you can tell she's apprehensive about Greg. He doesn't show his feelings a lot. And she's, she's always checking in on him. She's said multiple times that she's afraid he's going to leave. I can see some women liking him more for that reason, but I don't see Katie as being that person. I think Katie I think has, you're right. she's too proud. Uh, not even about pride. I think it's Katie has self-esteem Mm -hmm. And I think she keeps very close tabs on who is really reciprocating. Mm -hmm. And I think that Blake reciprocates more on a level that she can jive with yeah, yeah. than Greg. And I, I don't see her chasing down someone I agree. at the end of this. So I, I could be wrong, but that's just the feeling I'm getting. I think not unlike a, a prize fight where you go into the 12th round, and for those who don't watch boxing, the 12th round is the final round. <laughs> you go into the 12th round tied on the scorecards. Yeah. You say, well, whoever wins this round is going to win the fight. I think whoever makes a better impression in hometowns is going gonna, is gonna to win between Blake and Greg. And I have this funny feeling that there's going to be an enormous amount of warm and fuzzy with Blake and a lot of issues in the Greg hometown. But then part of me thinks are all the doubts cast on Greg purposely to throw us off the scent that he has been the front runner all along and is just destined to win the season. I think you're right. I think that there is a possibility... And, and I've touched on this before about how the guy or whoever gets the first impression rose really just should sit back and just cruise mm -hmm. because they're kind of already winning. Yeah. On The Bachelorette, particularly. Yeah. You said that last week. Yeah. 
I think that it's possible that Greg has been such a front runner <laughs> and so clearly the winner that they've had to spend the whole yeah. season kind of throwing cover on them. Yeah. Part of me wonders if that's the case too. And we're just all falling for this, mm-hmm. you know, he may leave edit. I've, I've apparently fallen for it was Blake's in my number one spot. Yeah. As well, is he in yours. You know what? We're both possibly falling for it. And I'm, I'm, we're both laying in the bed that we're making with that. It's very possible Greg is not as on the fence as he has seemed all yeah. season. And maybe he just struggles with, as you always talk about, his competitive nature and seeing her with other guys. But I'm fully falling for it. And I still have Blake in my top spot. Me too. With heavy caveats. <laughs> with heavy. I'm hedging myself yeah, so know, hard right now. <laughs> all right. I think that's a wrap for episode eight. I think it is. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we're going to ask of you. We would love it if you would like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram, leave us iTunes ratings and reviews, and tell your friends, and generally do all the things you would do to help a podcast grow. Because and that's stay the- alive. And stay alive. Yes. It's like an <laughs> ominous tone. <laughs> well, always ending with that ominous, semi-threatening tone. <laughs> Blackmail. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.